You're listening to What It's Like with Luce, a podcast highlighting ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm your host, Lucy Norris, and this week I sit down with founder and managing director of Amplify Agency, adding award-winning documentary maker and RTE alumna to her ream of experience, WeChat, making the move from journalism to PR, creating a company and becoming your own boss. Here's what it's like to be Sheena Madden. Welcome, Sheena. Thank, Thank you, you for much. coming on today. Um, I think we'll just start by going straight back to the beginning and talking a little bit about when you first felt the first urges, I guess, that you wanted to spend your life telling stories. Sure. Um, so I guess, I mean, if I want to be kind of romantic about it, it there's a, I have a family history and there's a family history of writing in my family. I mean, my great-great-grandmother was one of the first librarians in Malahide, where, close to where I grew up in Dublin. Um, and so that had always been, you know, in my family there was always a lot of talk about books and literature and writing. And then my grandmother was um, was a writer as well and a poet and she'd been published. And it was just always a, a great kind of, um, there was always pride in the family around writing. So um, I grew up and got my grandmother's old typewriter and used to write little short stories and you know and my parents always kind of fostered that in me which was really great and then when I was about 11 I won like a short story competition in school and I won um uh, I think it was a year-long voucher for Dublin bus I do remember being like being really proud that um like uh, and also pinpointing oh this must be something that I'm good at you know because I think writing is one of those things that you do it for maybe well for me anyway I started doing it for pleasure but you're kind of like it took me a long time for the confidence to grow like to actually show somebody so for even just something like that as an 11 year old kind of having that stamp of approval that people read something you've written and say actually you're you're pretty good at this that you know slowly builds your confidence so I think yeah since a pretty young age I think I, I knew that writing in some form uh, was something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So then when you were at school did you know kind of around your exam time that you wanted to then go and pursue journalism straight away? <laughs> I took an extremely complicated route into journalism so uh, yeah all through school I mean English and art were the predominant things so business as well but um it was, a, yeah, I was always going to do something in, in either the arts or in writing, to do with writing. Um, so, yeah, for, at the end of my leaving cert, I planned to go straight into study journalism, and I got a place in, um, in UC, oh God, I think it was UCD at the time, to, uh, to study journalism. Um, but I decided to take a year out, and in that year, I um, met somebody, and we moved in together, and nice. got engaged, and I had my uh, first son. So, yeah, so within a year, I kind of, my life took a totally different tra- trajectory, um, and my eldest son, Cameron, was born, um, and he is almost 17 now, so oh, that wow. tells you how long <laughs> that was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, then, so I took a few years, um, I think during that time when I was when I was at home with him, I did a few. I did some jobs in that time, you know, like I worked in retail, and I just took some time. And it was always still in the back of my mind that I wanted to um, study journalism. But I had a young baby, and I was still young as well. I was twenty when I had him, so I was really just figuring out figuring it all out. Um, so I went back to college. I think when I was about twenty three, um, I decided that I'd you know that I'd kind of waited long enough, and I'd go back to college. So. Um, I enrolled in Dublin Business School and went back and studied journalism as a mature student, mature student at 23. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's so um, funny how yeah. they call you that. Well, do you know what, I'd actually, I did, 
I did business for two years, decided that wasn't for me, then dropped out and okay. said, do you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll pursue what I always wanted to do and I did journalism. Um, so that would have been in, let me see, I graduated in 2011, so 2007 um, I would have started and done a four-year course part-time in journalism. Um, mm-hmm. And I suppose around the same time that I started, that I started college, I had been writing for my own pleasure really I was always interested in music as well so I was writing a music blog and you know I was kind of uh, doing some submissions to different blogs and things like that and, and blogging was a really big thing then like there was loads and loads of music blogs around that you could submit to and everything so that was great just for I suppose keeping you know keeping those muscles flexed um, yeah so that was kind of alongside your degree or was it yeah like while I was doing my degree and I think one of the great things about for me about doing my degree part-time was that most of the people that I was in college with were also working full-time so it was quite industrious you know we were all kind of working some people were working in a loosely related field to journalism anyway like they might have worked in a media organization but not necessarily been journalists or you know but we all had aspirations to become journalists um, so, you know, I kept going with my blog and actually I remember one of our lecturers, uh, Lisa Jewell, she was great and she encouraged us to all start a blog of some sort and keep it going and, and to just keep writing every day. Um, so I can't remember where I was working at the time when I started there. I think I was, do you know what? I think I was working in different restaurants as a waitress and doing a very small amount of freelance writing, but think I could (laughs) but um there was a recruiter that I used to that I used to check in with sometimes and they contacted me and said look there's a job coming up in a large media organization and we think that you'd be good for it are you interested um so yeah of course I said yes and then I went over and met with them and I found out the day of the interview that it was for RTE so yeah you must have been thrilled yeah I mean like at that stage I didn't really think I wouldn't have thought I had the experience for it you know mm-hmm. but I think for me and I think anybody looking to get into it I mean what's always gotten my foot in the door is doing that little bit extra um and having I suppose having the um what's the word I'm looking for working on my own and having the initiative to like whether it's writing a blog or um I suppose I taught myself photoshop and that really helped with getting my get, getting in the door with RTE because that was a skill they were particularly looking for so I think just little extra things like that that show that you're um, really interested in building a career in that direction have always helped me yeah um so yeah so I went for the interview there it was for I think um press office administrator okay um and that was in 2010 um so yeah I got that job and um yeah started it in in RTE and it was great I do I remember walking in the first day past the mast and you know through, and, and really being like pinching myself saying I can't, yeah. I can't believe I'm working here you know it was really really, really special so you started in RTE on the press administration yeah. office and then you moved into radio is that right yeah so I started so I started as the, the way it was then was um everything was um I suppose split up into divisions so you know if you were hired to I, I was hired to work in radio in the radio press office so um you know I moved from being the radio press office administrator to um a press office I suppose account manager um type for a long time I worked primarily across radio one um, but also then across 2FM, Lyric, 
digital stations. Um, my Irish isn't great, so Ornegy was always handled by uh, colleagues. <laughs> out there. But um, but it, no, it it was you know I think after I think I was probably the administrator for about a year, maybe a year and a half, um, and then the opportunity for promotion came up, so I went for that job and got that. And you know I had really great I had a really great boss at the time, um, Joe Hoban in RTE, and he really guided me in a good direction, kind of championed me. And there were lots of people in there actually who really uh, rooted for me and helped me figure things out. And, and it was a really lovely environment to, to kind of, I suppose, grow a career. Mm -hmm. So that really helped. Um, and I saw that you then went on to produce a radio documentary. So can you tell me a bit more about that? Because I thought, I read the, I guess you call it synopsis of what it was sure. about. It sounds so interesting. So I'd always been, I, um, I worked really closely with Documentary on One, which is the um, the radio documentary unit in RTE. Um, and they're just amazing. Like, they're one of the best documentary units in the world. Um, you know, they've won so many awards at different ceremonies. And they're just, you know, they, they share docs with, um, like, uh, NPR in the States and um, CBC in, in Canada and ABC in Australia. They're just... Sorry, and it sounds like an ad for them, but they're they're no. just brilliant, and, and I always loved working on publicising documentaries. Um, and the way they work, they're very open. You know, they have their documentary producers who are outstanding, just brilliant uh, radio makers and journalists. Um, but they'll always take a good story, like so. They're very open. Like if a member of the public has a really good story, um, they'll bring them in and and work through it with them and help them to produce it. So I went to. Um, Karen Cassidy, a colleague of mine, and said, look, I have this idea for a documentary. I think it would be really good on radio. Um, and so, you know, I think with these things, they're always bigger in your head, you know? So I was like, oh God, how am I, that? I could never do that. And, you know, so he just said to me, do you know what? Just email me the idea, you know? So and I said, okay, well, will I put together a document or will I, you know? And he was like, yeah. no, just email me. You know, so did he like, literally just want a uh, paragraph about what it would be about? Yeah, or? it's like if you can't make it sound interesting in a paragraph, you know, it's it's not, maybe it's not that interesting. So I sent him a paragraph about the idea and they commissioned it. But obviously we fleshed it out um, a bit more and I went into more detail and kind of, um, but but uh, yeah, it was commissioned based on, on me saying this is the idea. Mm -hmm. um, because I think all good stories are just built around, you know, it, it, it's about the story, you know, so... Um, in the case of my documentary, it was about um, a um, a con artist that posed as an immigration lawyer in Yale Law School and ended up um, conning um, lots of illegal Irish immigrants or illegal Irish immigrants, you know, if you're people who were staying there without visas, um, out of money by saying that he had found a loophole in the um, green card system. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Like it was commissioned. I, I, went over to New York and um, met with um, met with the state attorney in Connecticut, went up to Yale where, you know, the, the scam had happened and, you know, um, met with them. Actually, I'm still very good friends with the private investigator um, who is from Cork originally, but has been living in New York since she was 17. And she was kind of, uh, I suppose, responsible for helping to uh, bring this guy to justice. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know... I mean, the opportunity to go over and record all of that and go on a stakeout like, with a private investigator. It was just, it was pretty surreal. Yeah, um, but like, I mean, it's supposed to be in somewhere like RT where they have, you know, and the, the 
like the budgets well I don't I don't know but I you know they're mod- modest enough you know um did they send a team with you or was it your own no company? I did it myself did oh yeah my yeah wow. so they taught me how to use the equipment um and I remember the first day going out and I was on it wasn't I didn't bring a zoom mic or anything it was the big kind of I got I can't, I can't even think of the name of it but it was the you know the proper documentary recording equipment with the big kind of boom mic yeah with the fluffy cover on oh, it yeah. and, everything, you know? <laughs> and I remember arriving over my first day in New York um First of all, I remember going through security with all of that recording equipment. Oh, and it does was that just a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. The um, questions you yeah, get. <laughs> yeah. um, and then um, uh, I remember go- I arrived there, was it uh, 2015, and it was November, and it was really, really cold, and it was just after Thanksgiving. And I think it was Black Friday when I arrived because I was staying in, in like the middle in, near Penn Station, um, and it, I, need, I had to get a scarf or something, and I went out, and it was just bedlam it was so busy like the shops were just like new york on black friday it was insane um i was really nervous um about i've been in new york before but um years and years and years before and i was by myself and i was kind of i'd normally be quite capable of that kind of thing but i did feel quite intimidated i suppose because i had all of the equipment with me um so i went for a ride on the subway um at night which i wouldn't advise anyone to do <laughs> but I, that's what I did and um I'd say even figuring out the subway on your own with yeah, all this equipment was yeah scary so enough. I guess it was and somebody actually had given me the tip um one of my colleagues in RT had said you know go and get used to the equipment uh, without the pressure of having to interview somebody so you know I kind of just went for a ride on the subway and walked around and, and got some wild track or some atmospheric sound that I could use anyway in my documentary um so uh but it was brilliant like I got some great recordings from that because because it's New York and you're on the subway like you know and you've got this big boom mic with you so I had these guys coming up going like what is that a cat and you know being able to put all of that into the it was just uh, yeah it was such an amazing experience um so yeah so made, made the documentary got home spent a long time editing it um did you edit yourself yeah well. again I had um I my I suppose my mentor and my like the uh, lead producer and that was Kieran Cassidy from documentary on one so they would have always um he would have always been in the supervisory role and he showed me how to use pro tools how to use all the equipment properly to edit it um so and then he'd kind of leave me at it and I'd, I'd go and do it um and I took two weeks off work to do it because obviously that wasn't my job my job was in the press office so oh yeah of course so did they mind you is it kind of a system of where you were allowed leave to go and work on an RTE project or was it a bit like no that's very separate from your job I I think they do these things on a case-by-case basis I'm not sure what the policy is but I took two weeks annual leave to do it okay um so I did it in my own time um but uh yeah like it was ama- it was amazing it was a fantastic experience i learned how to make a radio documentary and then the following year the uh i entered it for two new york festivals awards and it won silver in both categories so amazing. yeah yeah and i think it was international international relations and social affairs okay. um which was just uh yeah I, again surreal i flew back over to new york with my mom um and went to this award ceremony with like just people, people like journalists that I would have admired for a long time, uh, just to be at the same table as them was pretty incredible. So you've 
produced, created, come up with this amazing documentary idea that's award-winning now. Um, and then you come back to RTE after all of that. Um, so I, I was just wondering kind of how come the shift to more work in press, I guess, than kind of continuing on yeah. the documentary making uh, side of things? To be honest, I mean, when I when I came back after that, and it was, it was, it was always something I did kind of around my career development in press and PR anyway. Um, I also then did quite a bit of um, writing for RTE.ie and for their digital side of things. Um, and I think I just reached a point in RTE where like, I was there seven, seven approaching eight years, and I kind of reached a point where I felt I had got as much as I was going to get from that environment. Um, you know, they, like it's no secret, like they, they kind of were making a lot of cutbacks a few years ago and, you know, and still are and things were tight. And I just didn't feel that there was the opportunity for me to grow in either direction, to be honest, in, you know, in terms of my career in, in communications or journalism. So I guess I kind of had a choice to make. Mm -hmm. um, um, so I was really just like when I got the job in RTE, just keeping an eye out and seeing what's there and keeping my options open. Um, and a job came up um, in a small company um, called Stillwater that I'd, um, you know, that I hadn't heard of before, but um, I kind of seemed, I liked, you know, what they had on their website and they seemed to be very focused on storytelling and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, I applied for that and I was offered the job and it was kind of really only then that I said, okay, well, I'm going to have to make a decision now. Will I stay or will I, will I leave? And everybody, of course, told me I was insane to leave. RTE and the security of it and you know I think that there was the talk of a redundancy package coming up the following year and that I should wait for that and but I, I've always been quite impulsive um, in that regard so I, I go with my gut an awful lot so if I feel that it's the right time to do something I'll do it and I felt like it was the right time to go. Um, so I left and um, yeah joined um, joined a, a private company as a, a senior account manager there. And it was great because um, I really learned how to do agency PR, you know, I learned how to run a campaign from start to finish, um, how to, I suppose, win new business as well, and how to just really kind of work on the commercial side of things, because I'd worked in public service or, you know, for so long, um, that to kind of work with something a little bit more commercial um, with different different goals was, was really interesting. Um, and I think it was more... I don't know if it was so much of a conscious decision to pursue the to go down the PR route rather than journalism. You know, I think I've always kind of managed to, thankfully, managed to kind of overlap the two a little bit, and I still, you know, wouldn't rule out. Like I, you know, ultimately, I'd love to get back to to writing and making programs again, but I just think that for me, this career being in in PR is more dynamic. Um, and it's just giving me so many interesting opportunities and projects to work on that I'm interested right in right now. And yeah. speaking of opportunities just there, so you are the founder of Amplify Agency. Um, so you were in Stillwater, was it you said? Yeah. So when did that moment come, I guess? Because going out on your own must be a very scary thing Yeah. Um, to leave the security of being employed by someone, I guess. Yeah. So was there you know a certain moment where you just kind of went 
I want to do this for myself or was it a gradual process or how did that come about? Yeah, I guess, you know, I, I learned an awful lot. Um, you know, I, I, at that point I'd spent time working in the public sector and working in the private sector and um, I felt that I'd gotten to a level in my career where I was ready to um, be, be more autonomous than I had been in the past. Um, but also, you know, like my personal life was quite difficult, I suppose, at that time. Um, and I was struggling quite a lot with um, my mental health, um, which kind of has, has just always been one of my crosses to bear, like lots of people. And um, so I took a bit of time off work. Um, and um, and that, that was pretty good. It actually gave me the time I needed to think about uh, what was best for me and for my children. Um, and so I think after after a few months, I decided that um, that it probably wasn't going to be the best thing for me to continue in the role that I was in. So um, I finished up there, and then I, like I said, I'd always kind of had a steady flow of inquiries about regular freelance work. So one thing led to another, and I started kind of taking on a couple of freelance music industry related jobs and then something else might come up and my my family have always been very entrepreneurial you know they've all founded their own companies and things like that so uh, quite the opposite of lots of people's families who would um, advocate for a steady pensionable job mine have always kind of said you know you should get out there and do something new and create and so you know the, my mom and my dad and my brothers would always say you know, I think they saw what I was doing and, and they'd say, they said, well, why, why are you just doing this as a freelancer? Why don't you turn it into, you know, something that, that could grow? Um, so I guess I just kind of tested the market a little bit, did a bit of research and saw that there probably was room for, um, for the type of PR agency that I wanted to create in the market. Um, so um, Amplify just kind of, you know, I was just kind of spitballing a few names around and I just really liked it and I checked it and was really, really shocked that nobody else had it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It's a very catchy name. I yeah. Like it. Yeah, it's really so, nice. Um, so I guess, um, yeah, it, I, you know, this is just a year ago. This is January uh, 2019, you know, I registered the company name and, you know, I had a look around for graphic designers, got a logo done up, we started, you know, um, built my website and just really did a DIY approach to it all and um, started from a little table in the corner of my sitting room um, and was up working like kind of late at night and um, around my kids school hours and all that kind of thing um, and yeah and, and I think it was for me it was definitely a, um, a shift in mindset from from looking at myself as um, a freelancer or something like that to to looking at the company as an uh, as a company as an entity um, as yeah. something that that could and like I said the potential for growth for me has always been it's something that I really want for Amplify and it's also it's, not, it's something I struggle with because you know I've I've unlike a lot of my family who like I said are are good at that kind of thinking you know uh, uh, that big scale thinking um, I've always kind of wanted to shut myself away and. And do everything myself and um, so I think for me um, that that aspect of it is is a challenge but it's one that I really relish you know. Do you have people to help you out now or are you still uh, one no. woman show? <laughs> well um, um, no like I mean honestly this is all kind of 
there's two elements at play, I suppose, with this. One is that I didn't have the resources financially to employ anybody. So uh, my logo design was done by a really brilliant guy called Emmett Mullins. So, you know, he, um, that was the one thing that I kind of said that I was going to look for a graphic designer to do a really nice job on my logo. So, um, um, so yeah, he runs a company called Brandish and he's just a, like, I recommend him to everyone. He's a brilliant graphic designer. So that was the one thing I didn't kind of, I suppose, scrimp on. Um, so I got that in place, but then now I literally registered a domain and toyed with the idea of hiring someone to, to build a website for me, figured out that I just really didn't have the money to do that. Um, and that I was, you know, fairly handy, um, at, at that side of things anyway. So I'd just sort of, you know, most of the web programs now are so they're based on WordPress and all of that. So they're handy enough. I think if, if, if you're, if you're familiar at all with how WordPress or anything like that works, you can get to a certain level. Now, I'm really glad that you said you liked it because I am now a year on looking at it saying, God, I really need somebody to come in and give this a, an overhaul, yeah, <laughs> give it no, a professional but, feel. But um, I mean, no, I, I just kind of, I did everything I could myself um, because I was kind of time poor and cash poor. So, um, so no, I did that. Um, and no, just basically, I mean, built the brand up. And I, I, I really did want it to be a strong brand from the beginning. Can you tell me a little bit about what your brand kind of means to you or what you want your brand to translate into the audience as? Yeah, I mean, I, like I honestly did start Amplify with um, one of the first things that I that I thought of. I, I really wanted to have strong values that, you know, I would continue to adhere to. And, and as the company grows, that anybody associated with or working with the company will adhere to, you know, and their kind of integrity. Um clarity, authenticity and hard work. Um, I find the values a lot of the time tend to be, you can reel them off like that and their words on a page. But I think um, for me, they, they, I, I use them an awful lot and I stress test them a lot. Like, you know, when I have decisions to make, when I have business decisions to make, you know, I do tend to go back to, okay, am I being true to, am I being authentic here? Is this really me and my, my brand showing through? Um, Am I communicating this this message with clarity, you know, um, and uh, you know, and, and am I operating ultimately with integrity? And I mean, there, if Amplify can be known for anything, you know, and I really like to think that that you know, I'm quite a straight talker. Um, I think in terms of particularly because it's a PR company, um, I really something that really boils my blood is when people say, "Oh, so you're a spin doctor." Oh. <laughs> it really bothers me um, because I just think that good communication is is the furthest thing from spin that, that you can get. I think good communication is about um, helping people figure out what, what, you know, what the messages they need to, to get across are. But, you know, it's authentic. It's already there. It's true. And they just need, they just need assistance in maybe getting that message, you know, to the right people in the right way. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if you don't do that from a place of authenticity, um, then it's going to come across as, uh, as false. So you launched in January 2019 yeah. um, and you've been working away. Was there or has there been a moment, maybe like the securing of a, a client you particularly really wanted to get on board that kind of made you sit back and be like, wow, okay, this is really going to work out for me. Yeah, I've had a few of those moments, which have, it's, yeah, great, it's yeah. been really, really great. Um, 
I have to say there's nothing like it and I never I was never particularly someone who always dreamed of running their own business before but now now that I'm doing it and I'm having those those moments it's it's addictive <laughs> like it really is you know so I think anytime I secure you know work with a client I'm really lucky to be able to just work with people that I you know that I gel with and and on projects that I really believe in um, and I think that's one of my um, one of my core values as well is that I do have to really believe in the potential of whether it's music or whether it's um, you know a, a startup that I'm working with that you know I have to be convinced by it in order to convince other people of its merits you know so um, so anytime I secure uh, a contract is is a really great moment you know um, and there's there's really been there's been some I've had some amazing. Uh, clients you know this year in the past year and something I find as well is is if, if somebody if a client if, if somebody calls me up to inquire about work and says that I've been referred to them by either a previous client or somebody in the industry um that's really heartening like to think that somebody has either worked with you or heard of you and recommended you um that's that's always that always makes me smile yeah I'd yeah. say um so also I would just be curious to know for you what does success mean I think success for me I think it's about freedom mm -hmm. I think success is you know having the freedom and, and that can come in many different forms I mean if you have the freedom to love your job to spend the time you need to spend and you want to spend with your family to enjoy what you do every day to have enough money to be able to I suppose live the life that you want to live um it's a cliche you know but it is it is really just having that freedom to enjoy your life to to its fullest you know um and then just to wrap everything up if you put yourself back in let's say your 10 year old self shoes mm -hmm. from where you're sitting now today what's the biggest piece of advice you would give yourself back then go with your gut yeah if in doubt go with your gut <laughs> I like that as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for talking to me. You're today. very welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, please don't forget to share, comment, and rate this podcast if you like what you hear. I'll be back next week chatting to more inspiring individuals. But for now, this has been What It's Like with Luce.